everyone and welcome to Discussing Trek. Today we are reviewing Star Trek Picard Season 2, Episode 6, 2 of 1. Like always, I'm your host Clarence and I'm joined by my fellow co-host slash Trekkies, starting with none other than the Who Storian Cal Jones. How are you doing, man? You know what? I am on again. I am breathing. I'm living. I'm happy to be here. Yes, happy to be here. What about you? I'm doing well and can't wait to talk about this episode, man. So all things good over here. Also on the podcast, we have Jonathan Shorts. How are you doing, dude? I am doing good, man. Doing good. I am fighting a bit of allergies. But other than that, man, I get to talk about Star Trek. So it makes it a good day overall. So we're going to get right into our review of Star Trek Picard 2 of 1, which was written by Cindy Appel and Jane Moggs and was directed by Jonathan Frakes. With the help of Talin, Picard and crew infiltrate a gala on the eve of a joint space mission to protect one of the astronauts they believe to be integral to the restoration of the timeline, Renee Picard. Corey makes a startling discovery about her father's work. So for everyone, if you have not seen this episode, put us on pause, go out, watch the episode, come back, because from this moment forward, spoilers. Spoilers. Affirmative. Spoilers. Spoilers? What spoilers? And I killed Sparky, too. Like always, we go to Kyle Jones for the beats of the episode. Sometimes serious, sometimes comedic. Honestly, you never know. Mr. Jones, what do you have for us this week? So this week, when I sat down to type this, write this, however you want to say it, really wasn't sure what I was going to do until the muse hit me. And maybe this might tell you what I thought of the episode, but we'll see. So here we go. At times, this episode displayed a nostalgic tone, but not because the characters found themselves in the past as in weeks prior. Instead, it felt as if their trek took them away from 2024 Los Angeles and deposited them further back in time in 1980s Dallas, Texas or Denver, Colorado. While the Borg Queen tries to create her dynasty, Picard fell victim to a hit and run. Should we call in Miami uh, L.A. Vice? Hmm? Yet, this story continues to trek alone. But time is running out, just like sands through the hourglass. This part of Discussing Trek brought to you by Discussing Network. Find out more at DiscussingNetwork.com. And that's my beats. Did you just put in a bunch of soap opera references on us? <laughs> I did. How dare you? Because I really felt them, and I know we'll get into it, but I felt some real-life soap opera references in this. Really? Wow, I can't wait to hear all about that, man, because I didn't get any of that in this, but I wait with bated breath. All right, John, what are your high-level views of the episode, man? Uh, well, as always, I'll get through this and maybe... I'll change my mind, but overall, I thought it was a great episode. Gave me a lot of the Vic Fontaine episode feels. Mm, interesting. Mr. Jones, any additional thoughts? So, out of all the ones that we've seen so far this season, I think this was the one that I liked the least. And there were things, elements in it that felt a little really like I was watching 1980s television. So that's hence my entire references that I was putting in there because I, I felt some of them were a little dated and contrived. Mm. And 
So it did push the story along, and I liked that. But there were just some things that took me out of the story, one thing in particular. Oh, boy. And I just was like, eh. I think we might be on the same page on that. So we got soap opera references from Kyle. We have Vic Fontaine feels from John. But for me, one point in this episode and looking to where the next episode is going are two of the tropes I hate most in television. We're going to get into all that because I thought this episode was pretty decent, but we'll get into it. Maybe you guys can talk me up. And with that, we'll go ahead and get into some of the details, some of the discussion points of the episode. Has watching this episode changed your opinion on the convergence point? Is the real divergence point Renee Picard being on that ship or is it something totally different? Is this a misdirection? Did any of you guys get that in this episode or is it just kind of me on that? Any theories on the convergence point? I'll say this. I, and I think I mentioned an episode or two ago that, you know, we were to believe the convergence point was Renee, but our team here is not being very cautious of how they're affecting the timeline. And when you get into the weebly wobbly of time, any number of actions that we've seen could actually be the convergence. And that's what's worrying me because now we're getting into, well, Maybe if you guys hadn't have gone back, it wouldn't have happened. Mm. Kyle, do you have any thoughts? Yes. One kind of meta here, but we just listened to Jonathan uh, Shorts sit there and on our show say wibbly wobbly as if it just came to him natural. (laughs) And that in itself was priceless. (laughs) So there you go. But, but as regarding the story, I'm all for, I think, the misdirection, and there probably is one, but I don't think this episode delivered anything that would make me think there was a misdirection, other than what you guys just said. They are bleeping up the timeline left, right, and center. Yeah, and we can get into it as we discuss a little bit more, but I almost feel like maybe Q was sent back to correct the timeline, and what he's doing is supposed to happen. And Picard and crew may be mucking that up. I don't know why I got that feeling. And we talked about it extensively in, in Tasha's Discord. But, man, I don't know. It's it's really giving me some misdirection vibes. Mm-hmm. And that that's what I was saying. Like, I, I mean, Q may... I mean, Q probably has the vision of the entire thing. But he had to send Picard back in the thoughts of him fixing a certain part of the timeline because... Him trying to fix the wrong part is actually what's going to fix the right part. Mm. Yeah, I can get that. And I'm sure we keep throwing soon in this. And it's so much pointing toward he's going because like you said last episode, like, why is why? Why are we focusing on this? Yeah. Why is this important right now? And you know what? I think the, the meta answer to that is to get Brent Spiner back for this series I'm wondering if his contract required so many appearances for him to come back. Maybe, maybe this, maybe not. Maybe this is just the story they wanted to tell. But I think me personally, I would have rather have spent more time, especially since we're dealing with Q, that even if it wasn't Whoopi, if it was the other actor that was playing the younger version of Guinan, I would have much rather have had Guinan interacting 
with our crew here as opposed to the Soong subplot. I will say for me, I did start to enjoy the the Adam Soong plot in this episode more. In the last episode, I feel like it was kind of shoehorned, kind of thrown in there. But now I'm really starting to love what they're doing, even though at first it seemed kind of just too different from everything else that was going on. So how did you guys feel about the method of storytelling used in this episode? We use the trope of seeing the end and then retracing those steps throughout the episode. How did you guys feel about that method of storytelling? I personally love to see that in in television. If it's done correctly, sometimes it's done terribly. But in this particular instance, and just like when I love to see it, it's because you kind of know. So now, now you know kind of what the end is. But it's so dramatically outside of what you expected. Yeah. And now you're sitting on your edge of the seat trying to figure out how did we get here in this episode? Yeah. You know what Mm. I mean? So that very first scene of Picard laying on the ground, which, again, (laughs) that's a whole nother discussion of why he was that way. (laughs) But I'm like, when we were walking into a like soiree. Yeah. Like, how did what happened? I couldn't come up with one single theory as to of what happened to Picard other than maybe he went upstairs and fell off. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Or was pushed off. Like I couldn't come up with a reason why <laughs> that would be happening. So this whole episode, I'm spending time trying to figure out, like I see the stairs and then I'm like, yep, that's my theory. Mm. And then he never goes upstairs. And then I'm like, huh, what really happens? And then I see soon in a part and I'm like, Someone's going to hit him with something or, you know, I, I just I couldn't figure it out. So I spent the whole episode trying to figure it out. That's what I love about those kind of writing sequences in shows when it's done correctly. Sometimes they'll give you too much of the end. Yeah. And it's kind of like you have nothing really to look forward to other than now you're just filling in the story. But in this case, it caused me to theorize just on this episode. Mm See, I wish that I could have watched it with your point of view, Jonathan, because I would have loved that. But I was sitting there going, and maybe it was because I was coming off of reading some news. Number Well, number one, this is a show called Picard, and chances are that he's not going to be in series three or zero to zero. So I'm looking at it from, oh, well, he looks like he's dying. Really? So you're playing that trope? I was looking at it from that, and that was one of the first things that took me out of the story was, are you really trying to make me anxious that something's going to happen to him? Really? (laughs) Our principal character. (laughs) Yes. I will say that for me, it made the episode more exciting than it would have been otherwise, because I'm just thinking of this story, if they would have told it completely linearly, it probably wouldn't have been as good as I think it may be now. Oh, right. Not a lot happened in this episode, really. Yeah, now that you think of it. So, like, when I went back for my rewatch, uh, and, you know, I hardly ever get to rewatch a second time, but I sit down for the rewatch, and I started it, and I'm... So, now that I know the end, like, that's not my catch anymore. So, yeah. now I'm watching it, and I'm just finding myself kind of, like, I don't want to say bored. It was still good, but, like, I was like, there's really no point in watching this again. Yeah. So, again, we get the episode starting with that flash up or the foreshadowing there. But 
Talon and Picard are having this conversation uh, and he called her Laris once again. So I'm going to throw this out there. We may have talked about it a little bit last episode, but any theories on why the Watcher looks like Laris? Hmm. So I do have a theory, kind of. Do you guys watch this one with closed caption? Sometimes. Sometimes. You should have watched this one with closed caption. And I'm going to kind of jump ahead here, so I apologize. So there was the scene where uh, her and Picard were talking and uh, Renee was like on the other side of the bar getting slap face drunk. <laughs> and she pulls up her phone to like check her text messages and all that. So so Tillian picks up her phone to see what she's texting and she says something in another language. So in closed caption and that caption came up as speaks Romulan. Really? Yes. I saw that. I was wanting to see. Really? That's why I didn't answer your question, because, you know, I, I used the closed captioning and I picked up <laughs> on that, too. I was curious mm. if you were going to bring that up and you just did. But, yeah, I caught that, too. Well, that that well, that's one of several Romulan S things. I know I've heard and I think particularly Tosh and her group talk about a lot of the tech that she has been using looks kind of Romulan in nature. Oh, yeah. yeah that phaser she had was I've seen a Romulan phaser look similar to that, like kind of open up on the side. Yeah. And there's something particular in the screenshot from the next episode that looks almost like a Vulcan earpiece that she's or Romulan slash Vulcan earpiece that she's wearing on her ear to do that pseudo mind mail at the end of the episode. So Ooh. I don't know. <laughs> this is really I interesting. Think- so from when I watched that, seeing that on closed caption, my theory was this is indeed Laris, but we're looking at it different. Laris never was Romulan. Mm. So she went from watching one Picard to another Picard. That's interesting. I mean, added to the fact when Picard makes the comment about the name and him or him peering at her, you know, he kind of brushes it off and she takes offense to it, you know, like, oh, I'm not looking into anything. And he, she kind of like, you know, gets kind of upset with him a little bit. Yeah. And she, the words she says, now I can tell when you're lying. Like mm. if you just met this person and it's the watcher and she's never known you and she hadn't known you long enough to have to worry about looking for a tale. Yeah. You know, she has no reason to not trust them at this moment. She either completely trusts them or absolutely don't trust them at all. But usually when you're looking for a tale of a lie from someone, it's because you've known them so long, you need that now. Cal, what do you think about the way Talan is able to read body language and notice these nuances that you do physically that she can kind of tell what you're thinking? Because I found that pretty interesting. Well, I remember a TV show on Fox several years ago, probably you know, 2000 after, I'm not sure when it was, but it was called Lie to Me. And it was basically someone who did that. The entire story or the show was about someone who was hired to do exactly that watch body language. And mm. if she's a watcher, there there are telltale things that we do as human beings. And if you watch that person long enough, you can begin to see, okay, when Susie starts to lie, she scratches her nose or when Joe starts to lie, he looks up or, or coughs or something. You know, there, there are things that we do as misdirection. So I thought that was quite interesting. Yeah. 
And we can move on. But I also love the line where she says, no connection. I'm a ghost. And then Picard says, and who is watching over you? Just such a great line. And it kind of reminded me of the episode. Uh, it may have been called Someone to Watch Over Me when, you know, the doctor fell in love with Seven from Voyager. Oh, yeah. But I just love that line when he says, and who is watching over you? So do you think that was from a, a romantic sense, like he like almost a flirt thing? Or was it from a, a place of like trying to get more information from her? Uh, interesting. I didn't think about the new, the more information spin, but I genuinely felt in that moment that he was starting to transfer whatever feelings he had for Laris onto to land. And he just started to really, you know, feel for her in that moment. Mm. See, I disagree with you, Clarence. I think no matter that Picard might have been feeling that there is still Admiral Picard that supersedes mm. Jean-Luc Picard. Uh-huh. And you'll see throughout TNG, even when it's a woman that he felt like he really liked, he always put the romantic, heartfelt things on the back burner. Mm. He's never been that type of person with a woman, even if he cared for this woman. I mean, it was Beverly Crusher. And what's the woman that ran off with Q before? I forgot her name. Yeah, I forget her name, too. But the archaeologist woman. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about Gerardi. Gerardi has to depend on the help of the board queen in order to get this stuff done at the gala, the gala, 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 gala at the gala. Let's talk about Gerardi's descent into madness. And, you know, this episode seems to be all about Gerardi becoming two of one thoughts on this very slow <laughs> assimilation slash descent into madness for Gerardi. Oh, if I could sing, I would sing, but I can't sing, so I won't. So there you go. I mean, <laughs> I, I just didn't. That that just took me out of it, the whole thing. Especially when you go from, I am impressed with you, you're so strong, et cetera, and so forth, to basically being taken over. And yeah. I just thought that that lessened this seen that we were all complimenting earlier in the season this took away from that it made it less and i didn't like that oh so many things to address uh so to kind of talk go on the other side of you kyle i think this perfectly highlights what the board queen is and i one of us i may have one of us mentioned in previous episodes that this interaction between the board queen and Gerardi just seemed a little outside of the norm. Yeah. Uh, she was more approaching Gerardi as almost an equal or like a partner instead of a target. But in this episode, it's kind of brought it back. Like ultimately the board queen really didn't care much of her. She was just another subject to be assimilated. And now we're seeing that there was an ultimate goal in mind and she had to get to that. And she played the long game and that's how she got it. Uh, so I had no problem with that. I do have a problem with a small <laughs> thing. <laughs> a couple of things we'll get to. Uh, but okay. Does nobody think <laughs> it's weird that these people are talking to themselves? Yes. That's what I was thinking. Everybody hears her talking to herself. <laughs> nobody says anything. Nobody. Well, and, and it's that, and even Picard in the line, he's talking to Gerardi, and like he's in the line, and nobody's even looking at him like, 
Who are you talking to? Oh, you're talking about the rest of the crew on their, um, yeah. All of them. Girardi. Yeah. I mean, and Girardi sitting in the security office talking, talking to him. Like you have someone under arrest and they're back there talking to somebody. I think you need to check that out. Uh, okay. Well, we did see Picard have the thing in his ear. So you could have assumed maybe that they were security. Yeah, but this, true. you know, going back to the 1980s, this is straight out of something like MacGyver or the A-Team or something like that. And, you know, even on in 2024, if you're standing next to somebody, next to somebody and they have a Bluetooth ear, earpiece in and they're talking to somebody, your immediate thought, you look at them kind of weird, like, yeah. who are you talking to? And then you realize it's a Bluetooth earpiece. Well, that might make it all right in this case, then, because people might just think they're talking on the phone to somebody. So that could be the excuse right there. Well, then that doesn't excuse Gerardi sitting in the security office talking to somebody. Yeah, that's true. You arrested somebody and let them keep their Bluetooth earpiece? Yeah. Well, what I think is even more weird is that the rest of the crew didn't know Gerardi was on the other end talking to herself. I mean, Picard might have said something, but then they just like didn't bring it up again. And she just goes on and keeps talking to herself. Nobody calls her out. Well, she she turns the thing off after a security room footage okay all right so i say a few minutes ago and i'm going to contradict myself i say a few minutes ago picard admiral picard supersedes jean luke well admiral picard heard her basically say something like shut up i don't want to talk to you anymore or whatever it was she said and then dismisses it because she says dismiss it yeah that, that was kind of weird now, some things I did like from this joining, I did like when she breaks out of the handcuffs, like, ooh, she's using some of that Borg power to get stuff done, which I thought was cool. But I, I have to say, I thought the way we get this very slow assimilation was interesting. I thought it was pretty interesting because I can't remember it being done so subtly. And maybe maybe the speed doesn't matter. It's just how subtle it happens. So let me ask you a question off of something you just said. Breaking out of the chains, the bonds or whatever, handcuffs, whatever. Do we assume or think that nanobites are going all over her body at this point, giving her enhanced muscle treatment? Or was this a adrenaline rush that she was given? I would say it's probably the nanoprobes. I mean, we've seen Borg throw people across the room (laughs) before. True. So, and I agree with you and to kind of address your slow burn to this assimilation. And you guys kind of talked me off of the ledge before we were talking about this assimilation and how it may be different. Because in this particular instance, Gerardi's went into the Borg Queen's mind. Like they, they were joined mentally, but not physically. So the yeah. Borgs never assimilated anybody mentally only. They've always assimilated first through nanoprobes physically. And then the brain comes after. So now this is a total reverse. Yeah. So to say that, so that's why it's taken so long because she has to overcome her brain and to explain why she didn't, couldn't rip the handcuffs at first, her brain is not making connection that her body is already being transformed by the nanoprobes. Ooh, we might, we might talk about some brain connections later with Picard and the accident, but, <laughs> but yeah, that, that makes great sense. I will say this, the song, I, one of my things I hate in any show is breaking out into random song. That being said, the timing of it was perfect in order to distract everybody. So Picard can escape the security officers and go talk to Renee. 
it made sense in that aspect. I just don't like random songs being broken out into in my Star Trek or any show, you know. But you like musicals. I don't like musicals. I like Hamilton. What are you and telling me it. to watch a music? Oh, okay. Well, I hate musicals, so I'm I'm right there with you. But I didn't mind this song. I did like this song. It's a good song. Uh, and I like that Allison Peel was actually singing it. Yep. So that was great, and she did sound pretty good. And lastly, it and I, I don't want to say she ever she brought us and don't take this wrong, but she brought a sexiness to her to her character. Yeah, with yeah. this song. And, and that kind of changed my view of Gerardi. Well, one of the things I think the allure she feels from the Borg Queen joining with her is this new confidence that she's getting. I mean, we've known Gerardi to be kind of a nervous uh, person <laughs> from the right. first two seasons, from the first season, and now with the Borg Queen is is giving her this extra bravado, this extra confidence. You know, she's kissing Rios like it's not nothing and walking off. She's <laughs> singing this song like she's the best singer in the world. So, yeah, I love that part of it. But what also comes with that is what the board queen said, the endorphins and gives right. her just enough strength to, to take over her. Yeah. And again, if you look at it from what's happening, that's not her that's doing that. Like you just said, it's the endorphins. And I will agree. She, the actor, awesome singer. But the part of that that took me out of it, yes, the dominoes failed just like they were supposed to. It was a plot device that allowed something to happen to move the story along. I get all of that. And maybe I'm just was just too detached when I watched it. <laughs> but I'm sitting there going, this wasn't on. They've got all this security there. This was not planned. They did not have the woman in red come out and start seeing. That's not on the agenda. Why isn't someone rushing her and saying, what the bleep are you doing? Well, because she sounded good and looked great. Yeah. I'm just but thinking. you've I mean, got that so much security, it doesn't matter how great you look and how great you sound. Somebody didn't approve of what you're doing. There's too much security there. Well, but think about like all the other shows and movies you've seen in a similar situation and somebody jumps on stage and like just joins the band and starts singing. It may not have been planned, but nobody says anything because number one, they're good. Number two, the crowd loves it. And it was a boring party anyway. So they needed some spice. Okay. So just ban her from NASA for 10 years. (laughs) (laughs) And and just going back to this assimilation we were just talking about, she has confidence and she's, she's, she looks like she's supposed to be there. You know, you wouldn't know. I give you that. I give you that. I, I agree with you there. So, Apparently, Rios loves the 21st century, and we get <laughs> we get a bit of clarification on the bridge cigar as we learn now that it's a fake cigar, of course. <laughs> and he is just he's like a Tom Paris. He's just digging this era. He has his, his fresh cigar. Smell that. He has his real matches. He is loving it. And I want to ask you guys, with his love of this current century and his fascination with the doctor. Do we think Rios might not be going back? Mm-hmm. Highly likely. He would have to. There's goes it's a timeline contamination. You would have to. Yeah. Mm, not necessarily. Well, just listen. I get maybe somebody's get left. All right. But your whole goal is to fix the timeline. Like something changed in his timeline that screwed up the future. And you see the results of that. You saw you saw the results of that. That's why you came back. Yeah. 
And the fact that you're going to, you leave Rios, whether you planned on it or didn't plan on it. Like maybe yeah. we leave seven, you know, maybe we leave seven. Cause I can, you can almost count on her to be a good judge of not screwing up the timeline, but somebody like Rios or Rafi, like you just know, that's a terrible idea. Like we cannot leave you. But what if, what if his staying back is predetermined, meaning it's part of fixing? Uh, maybe. But but let, let's talk about Adam Sung. You know, he makes an appearance at the party and wills his power. Get Picard out of here. And we get we get a, a Picard action scene. It's funny. My girlfriend talks about Picard action scenes being him walking briskly. So <laughs> so thanks. Thanks to Gerardi's song. He gets away. Then we get some amazing, you know, John, you always talk about it, but just some amazing acting from Patrick Stewart as he tries to talk down Renee. Thoughts on that scene? Because I just thought it was it was beautiful. I, I mean, what else can you say? It's like, I mean, I can't beat a dead horse, but it's Patrick Stewart at his best. And when is he not at his best? Yeah. And I think I think this was whether this was important to the story or, or not. The writers had to put this scene in just to kind of remind you of the caliber of actor this is and to kind of show you it doesn't matter if this was now or 30 years ago this guy's still good and tng was good because of the actor tng wasn't good because of the character and the age and the youth he was good because of his skills as an actor and this highlighted it perfectly thoughts cow i don't think i can say any more than what jonathan did i think he said it perfectly yeah, and I'll just add the line he said, fear is fear. It doesn't speak in riddles. Fear means you're smart. You understand the risks. And just, you know, great oh. acting topped with just some great writing, in my opinion. So I really love that. And and the the, the last part where, and this is kind of where it goes, why I love the holodeck episodes, uh, because it's an actor acting a part, acting a part, right? <laughs> so this is not a holodeck episode, but this is an actor acting a part as Patrick Stewart is being Picard. But Picard also has to pretend to be the security officer. That comes to a highlight in the last part when he finishes that conversation with Renee and he leaves and he said, Oh yes, I forgot. I was summoned. I was sent here to summon you for the toast. Yeah. Like, so good. That was so good. It's simple. It wasn't a lot of dialogue, but it was very simple. And it was very believable. Like, in my yeah. head, I'm like, hmm, did I miss them saying <laughs> it was going to be a toast? And his explanation as to being so much older than the other security guard. Right. I, I'm the most the wise. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I love when she asked him, do you want to take a ride to Jupiter? That, that scene was so good in so many aspects, man. So good. What did you guys think? Of at that moment when they're talking to each other and he says, look up. Mm, Yep. That was cool. Perfect. Well, we know also from the, as we mentioned up top, Picard is down when the episode begins and we're kind of experiencing the episode through his flashbacks or, or just in real time as he, we keep jumping back and forth with this plot device. But within that, we do get some, some flashbacks of him with his mother and all of those, oh. if, you, if if you slowed those down a little, little bit, those had some interesting scenes in it. Scenes where it looks like this alien thing is there <laughs> with them. Scenes where they're trying to rush the mother off. See, I think the mother may get dragged. The mother gets dragged away. So 
Of course, we're going to get all of that in this upcoming episode, but some interesting stuff to ponder what the heck happened to young Picard and his mother. Do we think that alien you saw in the flashback could be a uh, Romulan? Haven't we seen Romulans kind of look like that at one point? Yeah, well, well, someone, I think it was Angus. Again, I keep plugging Tasha's Discord, but someone mentions a Reman, which that is, if you remember right, the movie right. where we had Tom Hardy play young Picard. Right. They had Remans in that in that actual movie. So I don't know. I don't know. Hmm. Let's talk about Adam Soong running over Picard. I mean, Picard <laughs> knocks Renee out the way to preserve the timeline and he gets hit. If it was real Patrick Stewart, we wouldn't have a show anymore. But of course, <laughs> he's a golem. <laughs> he's a synthetic. Thoughts on this and should he have survived that? Bobby got hit by a car in Dallas. That's all I'm saying. You're going to have to help me out. I don't, I don't remember that. I don't know the reference. I know the Dallas soap opera, but. Yeah, well, there was a there was a character named Bobby, and the big thing was he got killed by a car. At, um, he got run over by a car, I think, uh, on a finale of Dallas. That's where I got the Dallas reference. Ah, okay. Okay. So that was my problem. Like, being a synthetic and I guess, you know, I guess, like, I I just knew he wasn't dead because I was like, he's a synthetic. Like, I didn't even expect to see him down like that long. So, mm. yeah. But and then we go further what, down in this and we, there's even more questions. But. but remember what they said at the finale of season one. They gave him the synthetic body, but they made the synthetic body the same thing that he would be, in other words, they duplicated his regular body minus what was killing him, giving him his same lifespan, et cetera, and so forth. He doesn't have any quote unquote true enhancements. Now they're kind of backtracking a little bit, saying how many, you know, things he withstood, et cetera. But I never saw it as him being just like Data. Hmm. Okay, but Data was an android, so he was a machine. So I give him that a synthetic wouldn't wouldn't necessarily be a machine like mechanical parts, but I I would expect a synthetic being to either be one or two things, either significantly improved or significantly not. And I don't disagree with you. I actually 100 percent agree with you. I'm just going by what they said at the finale of last season is is where I'm picking up. But I 100 percent agree with your point of view as yes you should be more i'm just going by what they said yeah i know they said that he would age normally and die at a normal age but i don't know if they ever said that they said he wouldn't have any enhancements per se but they could have made him more resilient we just don't know about it and uh, i think even going to what laris says i think there might be a mental disconnect from him knowing he can survive a getting hit by the car and and actually getting hit by the car. If you don't know that you're invulnerable, right. it can have like a psych- psychological effect on you. Just like right. if you think you're getting bit by a poisonous snake, you're probably going to have some reactions you probably shouldn't have just because you think you're going to die. <laughs> you know, um, maybe that's a bad example, but that's kind of how I see it in, in some ways. True, true. <laughs> so Picard is taken to Rios's doctor friend's clinic. Talyn resolves that we'll need to go into Picard's brain 
for a glorified mind mail. So in addition to her sonic screwdriver, which looks <laughs> a lot like the same one Gary Seven used in Assignment Earth, what do you guys think about her going in Picard's brain? And look like this is going to be all about the next episode is going to be all this. So just thoughts on what we might find. Obviously, we're going to see the mother, but anything, any other interesting things that you think we might get from being in Picard's brain? Mm. I, I think the mother is the mother load of that story slash answer to your question. I think we'll get a better understanding of where they're trying and why they're trying to insert the mother's story in, into this story and how it impacts, if it even does, how it impacts the overall of what's going on. She's going to see that his mother is the Borg Queen. I hope not. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, it, it, it is getting, it has been played like an ultra pivotal thing. We have keep seeing these flashbacks from the very beginning of the season. So it has to be something big. And hopefully they don't keep pushing us along. Hopefully get a, a revelation um, in, in this next episode. Uh, let's start to get some answers as we wrap up the season. Finally, finally, and maybe one of my favorite scenes of the episode, we get more information about Adam Soong, a distraught Adam Soong. And Corey, thoughts on the Corey experiment? I like that Corey was the one who figured it out, not that he revealed himself. Thoughts, John? Oh, I mean, I just kind of seen it coming, but I do like, I like the fact, I'm with Cal, I like the fact that Corey was the one to find it. Because, I mean, you kind of expected him to come out and just kind of tell her and break the news to her, which would have been good, but it would have been like, that's what was expected. But for her to go in and find it just kind of added another layer of suspense to this scene. Uh, but I mean, I think we just at this point, we all knew she wasn't his biological child. Yeah. And just beautifully directed of how they took the time to show Brent Spider and all these other clothes and a different beard and different kids. And they're progressing through. This timeline, I thought the way they showed it and, and displayed it and revealed it to us was pretty fantastic. So, yeah, again, this scene alone makes me lean more to liking the Corey stuff, which I we talked the last episode about how we had the force feel and it didn't make any sense for 2024. It was cool to see this and it got me on board with what they're doing here. So I, I kind of can't wait to see more of what they do with this part of the story. So in that aspect, I thought it was good. Yeah, and to kind of further what you just said, think of the amount of time that it took to do all of those, you know, little nothing more than pictures or whatever oh. for for something that was totally on screen, maybe 20 seconds, probably 10 or 15. But um, the amount of time that they did to make that look good, kudos to them. Absolutely. And just another small production note that I want to give them credit for. Was the title of this episode? Yeah, two of one. That I don't know. It's simple, but that was pretty awesome. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, and it's definitely a reverse on what the usual is because usually it's the first number is a smaller number than the end or the big number. You know, right. seven of nine, and it's whichever you know. It's certain collect the collective is divided into groups, and each person assimilated into that group it becomes a certain number of that greater number. So seven, like you said, seven to nine, but this one is saying two of one, like it's, 
Mm. It's only one person in this group, but there's two people in it. Yeah. Yeah. So that does give that does give Gerardi a fighting chance of coming back. Yeah. But not likely, in my opinion. <laughs> I think so. As we see her so. stroll the streets in her red dress. <laughs> at the very end. Well, considering the fact of what we know, you know, I'm not going to get into it, but what we know about series three and the fact that it's ending in series three with the exception of Seven of Nine, all of these characters in my mind are dispensable in some fashion at the end of this series, series two. Mm, who knows? Who knows where we'll be? I don't, I'm really anxious to see where the story goes. Really am. So I'm going to wrap up, but uh, I want to ask you both one final question before we get out of here. If you were to have a most favorite or least favorite part of this episode, what would it be and why? And I'll start with you, Kyle. Mm. Well, we already know my least favorite was singing in the red dress. So that was my least favorite. The most favorite was two seconds, one second long. We got to see Elnor. There you go. We did see Elnor. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Rafi got it bad. (laughs) What about you, Judd? Uh, so I would say my favorite part was the singing in the red dress. Mm. I I just thought that was, I thought that was good for me. I did. I did. And it, it shocked me. And it also shocked me that it was actually Alison Peel's like Alison Peel doing the actual singing. So that was great. Uh, and I just like the, I like that we're kind of giving Gerardi a new look sort of. Yeah. Now how long that lasts? I don't know. And it was, it, I was not expecting that. So when we said a diversion, I was like, hmm, what is that going to be? That was not what I was thinking. <laughs> yeah. Uh, my least favorite part is probably the interaction with, and you know, this is my least favorite because I keep forgetting her name. What's the watcher's name? Uh, Talyn. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm still not on board with their interaction, interaction with her character yet. Like I'm almost, I'm almost to the point, like, why is she here? And I know she's here for a, bigger reason i get it but we may could have done without her and especially in this episode but i love the actor yeah she's great yeah the actor is great my favorite is going to be the renee picard and john luke conversation i just thought the acting there was freaking phenomenal uh least favorite is going to be gerardi's song not because the song wasn't good and not because i don't think it was pertinent pertinent to the episode i just think it threw me out of it it just threw me out of it so for that reason it's my least let's go ahead and get ratings for the episode and let's start with you Kyle. how do you rate this one oh i was afraid you guys were gonna ask me first but you know what i'll stick to my guns i will say that it went up a little higher thanks to you guys but i'm still going to give it 3.75 what about you john oh man it's it's a mixed bag here uh i always judge it by you know how how did I feel when I was watching it? Did I not want it to end when it was ending? Did I feel like I was at the movies? Was I on my edge of my seat the whole time? And that was true on the first watch. The second watch, like I said, once we realized the plot device and what would happen to Picard, that kind of changed things. And then I kind of took the episode for what it was. So all that being said, I'll have to go mm, even four. Oh, wow. The lowest from John this season. And for me, mine is going to be a 3.6. Like I said, I I thought the episode was good, but there were certain scenes that kind of just threw me out. And again, if you look at the the totality of the episode, not a lot really happened. 
they did a good job for setting up the next episode, but yeah, not a lot happened. So that's going to be where I fall. Guys, what did you think of this episode? Listeners out there, how did you rate it? We want to know how you feel about it. You can send that in to fans at DiscussingTrek.com or hit us up at DiscussingTrek on any and all social medias. And you can also use those outlets to respond to Trek trivia. John, what was our question for last week and the answer? And what is our question for this week? So the question for last week was, who was the first character to use the word trick in any series in Star Trek? And the answer was our dear friend that we're currently fighting with, Q. Really? That makes sense. Yep. So on the season, the final season, season finale of TNG, Q is sitting on the bridge with Picard and he gives him this long dialogue about the future and what they're doing and all that. And he uses the word trick. It's the trick we're on or the trick you're on. Something to that effect. I won't bore you and read the whole thing, but nice. Cool beans. All right. We'll make sure to document that. And we will. We're going to start posting these on the website, discussingtrick.com. So you can go there to see all the questions and the answers, but we will start documenting it there. What is our question for this week? So this week in your favorite scene of this episode, uh, when Picard is talking to Renee and he says, look up and she looks up and there's a shuttle up there. And he said, tell me about that ship. And she says, oh, this is the OV-165 shuttle. She gave it a nickname, Spike and all that. Yeah, that was great. Where else have we seen that shuttle? In trick. So I'm going to say something that I know is not the right answer, but I'm going to tell you where <laughs> I originally thought I saw it. Okay. The broken, uh, the broken bow episode, the first enterprise episode, you know, Arch is flying the little, um, radio controlled, uh, shuttle. I thought right. it was, I thought it was a model of that, but I researched it and it's different. So other than that, I have no idea where we've seen it before. Ah, well, you'll have the answer next week. Oh, he's going to leave us hanging. <laughs> you know what? I- I'll give you a hint. And not many people will get this. But by the time we get to next week, everybody will be waiting because it'll be a long road to figuring out that answer. Mm, we saw it somewhere on Enterprise. Interesting. Interesting. Mm. Well, I know I won't get the answer to that. <laughs> <laughs> So the question is, where have we seen that OV-165 shuttle that was hanging from the ceiling when Picard said, look up to Renee? And we'll get the answer to that next week. Again, if you know the answer, you can send that into fans at DiscussingTrek.com or hit us up at DiscussingTrek on any and all social medias. We're going to wrap it up, guys. Thank you for joining us. It's been a lot of fun. And until next time, live long and prosper. Thanks for listening to the Discussing Trek podcast. For more information, go to DiscussingTrek.com slash subscribe.
Hey guys, it's Sergio from Reality Breached. We've got a bunch of different podcasts over on our network at realitybreached.com, and one of my favorites is Shellheads, a TMNT podcast. Shellheads is a deep dive into the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles in ways you've never heard before. From the early comic days to the current Nick show, nothing is off limits. Jeff from the Warp Zone Arcade joins me to binge watch and power read through a comprehensive library of TMNT fandom. Check Shellheads out on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app. For more details, visit realitybreached.com. You've been listening to the Discussing Network. Find out more at discussingnetwork.com.